0: Investors Chronicle.
1: Hello and welcome to IC Interviews. My name's Faith Glasgow. With me here today in the studio I have John Forster. He is the manager of Impact's Environmental Markets, which is the largest investment trust focusing on the environmental sector. John's worked at Impact since 2000, and since 2002, he's managed their flagship, Impact's Environmental Markets Investment Trust, with Bruce Jenkin-Jones, and more recently with Fotis Haji The Trust focuses on environmental and resources efficiency markets, looking to invest in companies that produce measurable environmental benefits and solutions, and it has been picked out as one of the best examples of a genuinely sustainability-focused fund. To start with, John, welcome. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you came to be doing this job in the first place.
0: Hi, Faith. Thanks for having me. So, how did I come to be here? I studied German and management studies at university, and part of living over in Germany, I think they were they were at the forefront of environmental markets growth. So, I'd, I'd experienced environmental markets up close. When I finished university, I'd ended up in the city doing mainstream investment banking, and after a few years of that, I really wanted to specialize in an area and become an expert. Um, I wanted it to have um, attractive growth and I was hoping it would. the companies would be doing good things rather than bad. So that was the exploration that, uh, that landed me on Impacts' uh, doorstep those 22 years ago.
1: Gosh, so it's been quite a journey since then. So could you tell me something about the term environmental markets? What does that encompass these days? Because 20 years ago, it must have been a very different kind of market that you were looking at
0: yeah that's right i mean it's changed a huge amount i mean just to be clear environmental markets we we see as being markets for the cleaner more efficient delivery of basic needs so if you think about energy food water these kinds of things uh, and they're also about addressing environmental problems so obviously climate change pollution um, plastic waste these kinds of areas so that's what these markets do but the opportunity set, when you start talking about sectors, has completely transformed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we launched in 2002, we had um, really kind of three sectors, alternative energy, water and waste. And we had a very small universe of 250 companies you know, a lot of them speculative, unprofitable, alternative energy names. So if you roll forward to today, it's completely transformed. Now, we're now looking at new energy, clean and efficient transport, sustainable food, water, circular economy and smart environment. And the universe has grown to 1,400 companies. Um, so it's a much larger, richer, more diverse investment opportunity than it was mm back in 2002
1: and these are presumably profitable companies now rather than kind of exactly startups yeah. exactly
0: so I mean you know these what was quite a niche speculative opportunity is now very much a large mainstream investment opportunity and they're markets that are served by you know large mainstream proven profitable businesses exactly
1: could you say a bit more about the key areas where the portfolio is focused?
0: Well, we're decently diversified across the sectors that we've just mentioned. Um, but to pull a couple of examples out, uh, we've got good exposure to what we call energy management and efficiency. That sits in the new energy bucket, and it's it's you know, it's all the energy energy efficiency opportunities. So, if you think heat pumps, efficient lighting, backup power, um, you know, industrial software, all of these kinds of opportunities are. Uh, I would sit within that that area of opportunity, and then secondly, if you talk about circular economy and waste management uh we've got uh, um investments in hazardous waste companies, which are very highly regulated uh and when, within circular economy there's a whole range of opportunities you know everything from product design software to natural ingredients and sustainable materials to sharing economy business models. To then recycling at the end of the product's life, so we're we're investing in the full circle of that.
1: That must be a really interesting, evolving, rapidly evolving area of work, I should think.
0: It, yeah, it is. I mean, it's you know the circular economy. I'd say is very early days in being fully Im- um, um, kind of embodied in the global economy. Now, we've been recycling beverage containers for a long time, but actually fully integrating this across industries um, and through the whole. Um, life cycle of products. I think that's very early days and that's something we're quite excited about.
1: Yes, I can imagine. What are the considerations um, that you have to take into account when when you're assessing companies for the portfolio? What, what primarily are you looking for?
0: The prime focus of the trust is performance, right? We're looking to deliver the best risk-adjusted performance for our investors Um, So we're, you know, really looking for companies with strong fundamentals, no attractive market position, technology, um, a strong business model, management, uh, attractive valuation, the full, the full suite of, of fundamentals. So that's, that's our primary focus. Um, But part of that assessment is ESG analysis, right? So that's the other, the other side of the research. And, Different investors see it in different ways, but we see it as a really good investment tool to identify quality and also manage risks in companies. So it's part of the research process. And if you look at it in both directions, from a quality perspective, good companies are good all the way through. Um, they have good governance. They comply with all the environmental regulations. They manage their relationships with their stakeholders, their staff, their suppliers, etc. So that's on the good side of things and you know likewise if a company is not doing all of these things then in our industries and i think in every industry that's going to eventually is going to hurt the financials so that's how we see um, esg as part of the research process i guess the other thing is impact i think the way to position it is it's an outcome of an investment rather than an objective so we're looking to deliver performance but our companies are you know pure play environmental companies that are delivering a significant net environmental benefit so that that's an outcome of an investment but not something we're focusing on to as a priority for for our investment
1: I mean you've mentioned that the the focus on on quality and growth I guess that means that you have had a pretty tough time this year really with the, with the rotation out of growth companies and into more value focused companies which I suspect would be more or less precluded from your universe. You've lost around about eight percent over the over the past twelve months, and around about eighteen percent year to date. So, what have been the the key factors that have really um, hit hardest for for the trust? Would you say?
0: Well, I think you've nailed it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but um, I think what I'd say is you know there are two parts to. Um, the return for an investor in impacts environmental markets. One is what's happened to the NAV, and the other one is what's happened to the premium, uh, premium yeah. discounts on on the trust. And when it comes to the NAV, it, it really is it's what you said. You no, know, there's been this huge rotation um, out of growth and into value. We don't have a we have some, but not a huge amount of value exposure because we're talking um, financials. You're talking energy. You know sectors we don't have a lot of exposure to, but we are overweight. Um, in growth and in quality, and, and both of those areas have been have been out of favour. So that's the main driver of the NAV, um, together with small and mid caps underperformance. Um, yeah. You know, volatile environment. Um, but if we look at the the second ingredient being the premium, um, obviously we've had several strong years of performance. A lot of focus on the environmental markets um, in investors. Eyes, um, we, and that drove a strong premium in the trust, which was kind of double digit, even um, heading towards the mid-teens uh, in the middle Q2 Q3 last year. Um, so we closed last year at a ten percent premium, but with volatile markets and the rotation and and risk off, um, that premium has has disappeared basically. Um, but we do want investors to be very clear that um, the board. And we, as managers, you know, are determined to stand behind the vehicle. Uh, we were buying shares back on the day Russia crossed the border into Ukraine. So, um, sorry to kind of lead into that, but uh, you know, we we will not let a material discount emerge in the trust, so investors don't have to worry about that.
1: Right. Okay. Um, have Have you um, taken steps to reposition the portfolio then?
0: We'd spent a lot of the last two or three years repositioning the portfolio. Um, we have been looking to diversify our um, cyclical exposures. we have been looking to find more defensive uh, opportunities to, to get us from a very pro-cyclical um, portfolio to something that was more balanced.
1: Can you give me some examples?
0: So on the um, cyclical opportunities, we found um, new technology investments, um, in areas like the industrial software arena um, so software for um, for product design um, and also um, you know management of um, of manufacturing also um, monitoring capital goods in a um, predictive maintenance arena as well so across the industrial value chain, those kinds of software opportunities were new uh, on the defensive side of things. Um, we added a good chunk of natural ingredients companies, which qu- are quite often selling into consumer staple type markets, um, and so they're, you know, fundamentally more um, defensive in nature. Yeah. But we really believe in a um, a transition that's going on um, away from synthetic and oil derived ingredients towards these natural ingredients as well. So they're defensive, but with a with a strong growth opportunity. Within them
1: but have you been able to um, take opportunities then in the last few months to to buy stocks at, uh, at attractive prices
0: What what we have been doing is so everything that I said about the activity of the last few years mm. last couple of years left us with a portfolio of um, 63 64 holdings um, and we wanted to consolidate back to 60 to keep it you know decently um, focused so in the current arena, um, that's what we've been doing. Um, there are a few names um, that we decided um, were subscale and that we wanted to move on from. Um, and we're finding a lot of opportunities to uh, top up on some really compelling quality defensive growth names, but with a very derated valuation, you know, back to a, a 10-year average level, right. something like that. So we're broadly happy with what we had, but we're still um, you know, making some incremental additions to existing holdings.
1: Could you give me any examples of the of the uh, the ones you've been topping up?
0: Um, so in the UK, um, I think Spirax and Croda would be two examples of that. Um, what do they do? Spirax Arca is a steam specialist. Oh, okay. um, so they send an army of engineers round to an industrial facility who does a study to help them understand their use of steam and make it more efficient. And then they sell them the widgets to realise the plan, which is a repeat business. Um, it's a market that Spirax dominates. Um, it has been through an aggressive derating um, and ticks all of the boxes I just uh, mm. I just mentioned in terms of much more attractive valuation, um, and you know, uh, and a strong long term growth story. Um, second one is Croda, which is one of the natural ingredients holdings um, we were talking about. They serve, in particular, personal care, but also healthcare markets, and with a growing focus on on kind of natural ingredients in the mix. So same kind of thing. Um, defensive markets, um, but kind of strong franchise and growth prospects.
1: Just broadening out the discussion a little bit, would you be able to give me an idea of where you sit amongst your competitors? How, How do you differentiate yourself within what has become quite a competitive investment market over the past three or four years?
0: It's definitely true that it's a much more competitive market. So there's lots of there's lots of sustainability and ESG funds out there. It's quite bewildering for um, everyone and for the investor on the street. Yeah, absolutely. But but I'd say there's there's not a lot of environmental, specifically environmental funds. So if you're wanting to invest in environment specifically, if you want it to be pure play exposure, um, the trust has 80% weighted average environmental content of revenues. Um, If you want it to be, in a kind of small and mid-cap environment, so these smaller, fast-growing businesses, um, then actually there's very little out there that's doing specifically that. Mm. Um, probably the closest um, fund to something that does something very similar to us would be Jupiter Ecology. But if you look at a lot of the other ones, they're either larger cap or more broader sustainability, um, including healthcare and other and other sectors. So I think it's a fairly unique... Product, if um, you're looking at specifically at the environment,
1: and there's no ETFs that would uh, replicate the kind of thing that you're doing.
0: Not that I have had a lot of contact with. No. And and to be honest, yeah, our view of this is that environmental markets is an area that really needs active management and just isn't suitable for for ETFs. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think the product is quite unique. But also how we differentiate is by virtue of twenty-two, you know, sorry, twenty years of uh, long and uh, and strong performance track record, and it's uh, the team at Impacts with forty-eight people doing nothing but looking at these sectors. So um, that's our differentiation.
1: The trust soft closed a couple of years ago on the grounds of capacity. Could you explain a bit more about uh, why you took that decision and? What difference it's made?
0: Mm. Yeah, so we soft closed the specialist strategy of which the trust is the is the flagship vehicle two years ago, because we wanted to um, not take on too many assets uh, that would mean that we couldn't deliver to our investors what we'd always given them. That we'd somehow be having to run it differently and we'd compromise on performance. So it was that determination to stay true to what we what we started. You know, twenty years ago, so we basically said no more segregated accounts, um, and we said um, no more inflows into open-ended vehicles apart from existing investors. And there's been a uh, some constraints around share assurance by by the trust, um, so where they have a ten percent allocation per year. So that's those were the steps we've taken, mm. and um, I think it's yeah, it's worked. It's allowed us to you know, keep the portfolio at a 60, 60 holdings. Um, we've still got good manoeuvrability within the existing portfolio and making new investments. And so I think you know, we spotted this decently in advance and it's, I think it seems to be well received by, um, by our investors as well. I mean,
1: presumably, given that you are focusing mainly on small and mid-cap companies anyway, you, you really can't afford to get too much bigger. Running a focused portfolio. Is there a point at which you're going to have to stop growing? I mean, that doesn't seem to quite make sense. What happens when, the, if the trust picks up again, as it hopefully will do in due mm. course, if it keeps on growing, how are you going to manage that? Well, we've continuing
0: growth. Hopefully, we spotted it early enough and took the necessary measures that. Um, that we're we're not going to need to get to that kind of hard close arena. And obviously um capacity is a breathing number with markets and and the opportunities that you can invest in. Um and so that's our hope is that, you know, as these markets are growing, that that, that will allow um enough incremental capacity for um for the constellation we're in now. But we you know we will, you know, make sure we do what's necessary to keep giving our investors what they join for
1: is there a, an argument that that small new competitors are going to be are, are going to be better placed to um invest in these equally new small companies as in in what is a very rapidly evolving arena are there areas of the of the whole environmental market that you're going to find difficult to access on the, on the grounds of size that they will be able to access.
0: I'd say we don't have any issues accessing the parts of the market that we want to access. Right, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, one of the a big learning points over the years was not to invest in very early stage, unproven, unprofitable, very small companies, and that's been a, a good thing in the last you know twelve eighteen months as. Mm-hmm. As those kinds of investments have been have really underperformed in the market, I would say that you know for the smaller end of the scale at you know five two fifty to five hundred million dollars, we're more likely to need an event to get a position in in these companies. But typically at that size, they're needing to raise money to to fund their growth anyway. So we're we're still managing to add positions in this category um, by. You know, getting to know the company, building a relationship with management, understanding what they're doing, and then when they when there's a fundraise, that's that's our moment to get involved.
1: Right. Just out of interest, how much time do you take in in actively engaging with companies?
0: Um, it's a it's a huge part of our work. Obviously, in smaller mid caps, um, management is even more key than in in a kind of larger cap environment. Um, we spend a lot of time doing our research up front. Um, to decide it has the quality to go on our approved list and then to go into portfolios. Um, The ESG analysis is one of the building blocks of that that research and it generally flags up things that are good and things that could be better uh, in the business. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely part of our work to engage with management to help them on that journey. And sometimes they come to us and say, there are so many people coming and asking us different questions around ESG, so we can help them decide what's important, measure it, set targets, and and set up a plan. So yes, there's a lot of engagement that goes on.
1: Which emerging trends would you personally say are the most exciting ones looking looking ahead for, for the trust? You know, the, things are obviously changing all the time, and and there are going to be new opportunities opening up, no doubt, in years to come. But at the moment...
0: You know, I'd say that the best opportunity is the portfolio itself because you know, in this rotation, we've had a massive derating of the portfolio from um, mid-20s next 12 months PE down to 18 times um, at the end of June. So we're back at a long-term average multiple for a strategy where the long-term growth outlook has never been stronger. And despite earnings delivery that's been very solid through what's been a very challenging period so we're we're positive on the portfolio overall when it comes to incremental opportunities going forward um, the circular economy we've we've kind of addressed that's definitely early days and lots Mm -hmm. of opportunities Um, secondly obviously we're on this journey to net zero emissions but we're also looking to reduce our reliance on Russian oil and gas. Um, That is meaning faster growth for renewables. But I think there are some areas that are going to see outsized growth. Um, So we need to, in particular, decarbonise heating, um, accelerate the uptake of heat pumps, and just reduce our use of gas across residential and industrial markets. So I think that's an area that we're going to see more opportunities and have more exposure to another one would be climate change adaptation no one is in doubt that we are in a an adaptation scenario where we're having to adapt to the consequences of a more volatile climate and after a string of years of of events we're starting to get good visibility of where the opportunities are around that so backup power is an obvious one keeping the lights on uh, when the grid is down, you know, we're also looking at building materials for more resilient buildings. Mm. You know, what are the roofing membranes and materials that that don't get ripped off um, when you're in a, a storm or hurricane environment? So, I think adaptation is another area that we'd like to see more investments in.
1: Given the the temperatures of the past week or so, are, are there is there work going on to um to try and find new ways to keep buildings cooler, to keep environments cooler?
0: I think it's going to take a complete... Well, some things are going to need to be rolled out more intensively. So if you think insulation is probably the the biggest thing that people could do, double glazing, making sure all buildings have that, those kind of opportunities will immediately help manage temperatures Mm. across the the housing stock. Uh, But more broadly... We need to reimagine how we design cities and towns. You have to have more consideration of shading and kind of planted areas um, that just make these, uh, these temperatures more manageable. And we need more cooling, you know, which we've not needed in the UK before, um, but heat pumps, more efficient um, HVAC. You know, all of these areas are, are going to be part of the solution.
1: One last question, John. Um, are there any areas... Or all individual uh, aspects of the environmental arena that you would never never invest in
0: I think never say never <laughs> these markets have you know they they evolve yeah. sometimes quite rapidly rapidly um we're lucky to be often on the beneficiary end of industrial upheaval you know electric vehicles, the drive to eliminate plastic waste all of these upheavals we've um, we've been on the beneficiary side of so you you need to keep a, an open mind. So I think earlier stage opportunities would be things like hydrogen, um, which people will probably know we've been a bit cautious on the valuations and you know what's the real size of um, markets for for hydrogen. So I think after the sell off of those those kind of growthier valuations, um, that's an area that having had zero exposure to that you know we're keeping tabs on
1: yeah well it's a very exciting area to be involved with i'm sure you're there must be never a dull moment there so thank you very much for taking the time to come in and uh, talk to us today planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen